I, I was thinking about complimenting, right? And I think when I was like starting to tell people, oh, buy my book because I'm so great, right? <laughs> um, it was really hard for me because growing up, any sort of compliments you get, you're supposed to say, no, I'm, I'm not that great. You have to downplay your success. You have to say, you have to be humble bragging kind of almost if you want to talk about your success. If you're any confident, boisterous, then you're going to be perceived as like this arrogant bitch, right? And growing up with that condition, it's like every time someone says, oh, you're doing a great job. You've written a book. I'm just like, no, no, no. Like you're going to be like, oh, it's other people. Or you almost want to like hunker down and say like, oh, no, it's, it's not me. Hello, humans. This is Victor Ung with the Human Up podcast. And this is a podcast about emotional intelligence, about understanding this inner world within us as human beings and how culture and gender identity really plays a role in our our thoughts, beliefs, and emotions. I talk a lot about how being an Asian American man um, in in the Western world really has a interesting effect on the beliefs that we absorb about ourselves, about the world, about what we're capable of, and how that starts affecting our emotions, our self-confidence, our ability to to feel and not feel shame about what we feel. Unfortunately, you know, based off of many circumstances and many reasons, a lot of immigrant parents unknowingly or unconsciously passes down shame between generations. And I, I'm not, you know, a sociologist or um, a researcher or a psychologist, so I, I don't have the in-depth, you know, research around all of this, but just anecdotally, you could see how a lot of the traumas that they had to go through either you know within either in their home country or coming over to america and then what they had to deal with in america like not having the the space to address the mental and emotional impact all of that has on someone especially over time will be passed down subconsciously to the next generation to the kids either through dna or through language or behaviors the language is is a lot of what we can really tell when the parents shame you for not getting good grades right or not having a good job or comparing you to your siblings or your cousins or another family or being too spoiled, you know, especially as a American kid where we tend to have more privileges, especially compared to where they came from. So not knowing how to address it or communicate, you know, especially through cultural gaps and generational gaps and not having the knowledge nor the skill to manage their own emotions to be able to identify with them and and know how to communicate them the easiest way it comes out is through shame 
right? That's how they were taught growing up. And I mention all this because I I notice it in myself. I see this in so many ways as I go about my life in terms of how shame pops up. Where in the workplace, there would be some level of shame if I were to be too boisterous or too loud or too expressive or emotional or whatnot, right? And then I'm not able to be heard. I'm not able to be assertive enough to put my ideas out there and run with them and gather a team around them and lead lead a project, right? And that's just one example, but I think it, it just comes out in so many ways. It, it's It's come out in my relationships, which I'm still kind of processing. But this is one of the reasons why I started this podcast is to really start doing this level of introspection and reflection on myself and my culture, my gender identity, you know, how our, how my environment has an effect on, on all this, like what types of beliefs am I absorbing? How is that making me feel? And then how am I reacting or or responding to those emotions, to what I feel? You know, how does that show up in my behaviors? How does that show up in the people that I interact with? How I treat others? And most importantly, how I treat myself. I noticed that I was, I'm terrible (laughs) with myself. Like if I were to speak to someone as how I speak to myself... I, I I would have no friends. <laughs> Let's be real. Like, and and it's really common among a lot of us. You know, we're our own worst critics, right? Because we're we're the only ones who really know ourselves, who really know all the thoughts that happen and go through our minds. But anyway, I I tend to keep going on rants here. Um, I just, I, it, these, these are the topics that I've been thinking a lot about recently, and this is a lot of what we talk about in this episode with my guest, Catherine Chan, and I'm excited for anyone with immigrant parents or Asian parents who experience a lot of these struggles, um, just, you know, communication and cultural differences and, um, you know, how that's been affecting our, our mental and emotional health or any future parents who want to learn how not to, you know, pass down this generational trauma, right? Like, how can we, how can we build ourselves up and how can we learn and, and progress from here? Um, I think this is, this is, Again, I'm not trying to, you know, shame any older generations or our parents or whatnot, right? Like they did the best that they could do and we're doing the best that we could do, right? And it, But I think it can be accelerated if we can do this with more intention, if we could listen to more of these podcasts, if we could actually have these conversations and open up um, and and talk to each other about it. And it's going to be messy. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to maybe 
throw a wrench in things, but it's worth it. So as you're listening, if you can relate or something pops out, please do share this episode with someone who could benefit from the conversation or someone who you'd love to have this conversation with. It's not about me trying to go viral or anything, but it really is. I think podcasts are the perfect way to start a conversation. You know, it's the perfect way to really tune into other people's minds, you know, and, and what their experiences are, what they're thinking about, what they're feeling. And so if you could share that and make sure to follow and join the conversation at my new Instagram page that I launched recently at human up podcast. So Instagram at human up podcast. And if you have been a loyal listener and following this podcast for the last year now, thank you. I really appreciate you. It's crazy to think that I have 53 episodes out now, but what would be really helpful is if you are able and willing uh, is to donate through PayPal. You can go to bit.ly slash human up podcast donation to uh, choose a dollar amount or to choose your own dollar amount to donate either one time or through a monthly um, donation, which I would very much appreciate to be able to help offset the cost to run this podcast. Obviously, it takes quite a bit of time and effort to uh, find the guests and research them and um, really, you know, put all this together. And I would really love to be able to sustain this and keep this going. If you also enjoy that or love the show, then that would be a great way to show your support. If not, no worries. I would still love if you would then follow or subscribe and share this episode with someone who would benefit. So with that, we'll get right into the episode with Catherine Chan, author of How to Deal with Asian Parents, right after a quick message from my sponsor. First off, thank you for being a listener of the Human Up podcast. I definitely have so much to say and express and all the things that I've experienced and observed throughout my life that I've honestly been cultured and, and kind of pressured to, to bite my tongue against. So I really love being able to use this platform and this medium as a podcast to do so. And it wouldn't be possible without Anchor.fm, which is the hosting platform I use to distribute this podcast. It's perfect for me right now because it's free and automatically distributes my episodes to all the different platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. And the cool part is that there are tools to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. So you don't even need any extra software or services to, to create the podcast. And you can even make money from the podcast with no minimum listenership by recording ads like this. So if you have a message to send and ideas to spread, definitely download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. And who knows, maybe we can collab and create a, a podcast episode together. If you do end up creating one, you should definitely hit me up and, and we can do something there. With that, let's get back to the episode. Hello, Catherine. Good to have you on the podcast. Hi, Victor. How are you? I'm, I Thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I'm excited to have you. It's actually, I was looking at like the first time we electronically met, uh, yeah. and it was about a year and a half ago. So like, <laughs> yeah, what? finally good to have you on. I know it's been a while. Has it been a year and a half? 
Yeah, so you actually reached out to me after reading yes. one of my articles, um, My Struggle as an Emotional Man and Asian yes. American. And um, and so I really appreciate that. Uh, I think you like included me in your newsletter after yes. like, yeah, I was reading through the old emails here. So um, yeah, and then we just kind of kept in contact i think yeah. you found me through the asian americans podcasters group yep. again and then, yeah so yeah. it's been a journey now we're now we're here i can't believe it's been a year and a half i thought it was just like it feels like 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 months ago <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like it's crazy and then and then a year and a half like you've done like we've like you've done so much it's crazy and so have you you've written a book now which we'll get yeah. into uh, <laughs> Yeah, and ha and uh, had a baby. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. so created a second human being, They're teaching him to human up as well, and even though he's only six months old. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I'm glad that that term is uh, getting used. <laughs> I like it. I think that's what like attracted me to the article that you wrote because it's because you know you hear the word man up or like oh you got to man up and and I've always I mean I'm, I'm I've been a feminist my whole life like just see pictures of me with my boy haircut trying to defy mm. gender stereotypes <laughs> and so like that term I think it really resonates yes. um, it's just a human thing to to, to talk about our emotions <clears throat> yeah we will definitely get into that um so mm -hmm. I for anybody who are, isn't familiar with you mind sharing a little bit of your story and kind of what you're working on now and and what led you to this space Oh, for sure. Um, so I'm Catherine. I'm Catherine Chan. <laughs> and I'm the content creator or person behind someone's leaf. So some is in our heart. Uh, in Chinese, it's heart. If you've ever had dim sum, uh, it means pointing a, point, a little bit of your heart, I guess. <laughs> and so um, I've been a heart on sleeve kind of person my whole life. I show my emotions on my face. Like I'm the worst poker player in the world. Like I would just show my cards you'd see it. <laughs> um, but talking about my emotions has always been a struggle. Um, growing up with Asian parents, feelings weren't ever really discussed around the dinner table. And if they were, it's always very indirect, like about someone else's feelings, but not our own. Um, so it wasn't really something that I thought about until I became a mom, um, almost happily four years ago, when I started really reflecting on, you know, my childhood, you know, like life stages, you start kind of get a little bit more whoa <laughs> meta I guess okay. and um and I was like you know what like I have all these things in my head that I, I grew up with and like now that I'm in my parents situation how am I going to preserve things what are some things I want to keep what are some things I want to like improve on um and so I started writing things like writing is my like bread and butter I've written a diary since I was 11 years old like <laughs> little crushes and boys and everything um and so I started writing and then I was like I gotta like look for other people who have a similar story, like other Canadian or Chinese Canadian mom bloggers who are kind of talking about preserving the culture, but also struggling to embrace nostalgia from other things that I grew up with. Um, and I couldn't really find anything. It was really limiting. So I just started it and I started writing and, um, and it's been three, like I started my first post um, August, 2017. <laughs> and then um, it's been, I guess, almost three years. And here we are. I've, uh, I've written three books. Um, since then, um, we're going to be talking about the Asian parents one <laughs> and, uh, written one on, uh, really honest dating as well, just dating in general, because that's something that I never really talked to my parents about. <laughs> um, and then also about marriage and how to have a, a happy and healthy, uh, relationship with your, your spouse. Um, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I've been working on books is kind of talking to other people and connecting. Love it. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, I read through the, the book, how to deal with Asian parents that you wrote and definitely hit a lot of points that many, many Asians kind of struggle with, you know, in terms of how to, how to deal with immigrant parents who just have a, both a language and cultural barrier. So, um, well, well, yeah, I got lots of questions about that. I guess I'm, mm. I'd love to start with uh, anchoring around what does emotional intelligence mean to you? Oh man, um, I like a loaded question because yeah, <laughs> you're, yeah. like the, you're like that, you're like the the expertise on no, that. No, no, so no, no. <laughs> it, just yeah, whatever, whatever it means to you, and there's no right or wrong. I guess it's like I always compare it to IQ and EQ, right? Like IQ is a very structured technical approach of measuring someone's ability to kind of um, understand technical concepts, you know, like the flips or flops or flops or flips and be able to answer those questions and, um, you know, doing math problems and be able to have the, 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 the I guess, the, the skill to, to do those. But emotional intelligence is a little bit more like gray and it's a little more like understanding how people are feeling at the moment and be able to read them and reacting and responding in a way that resonates with them. Um, I always compare like when in school I learned about empathy and sympathy. And people often get those confused. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so I kind of associate emotional intelligence a lot with empathy. Um, and I think of the term, you know how when someone has a problem, you kind of help. Sometimes people say, well, put yourself in their shoes. You know, how would you deal with it? And that's, to me, more sympathy than empathy. Because empathy is not really just going like, well, well, if I was in that situation and I'm like, you know, dealing with a problem with my boyfriend, I would just do this. But that's not like you're, you have to take into their context, their, their past and their who they are before you present yourself in their situation. Um, so it's like I say, like, you don't put their shoes on, you actually amputate their feet, <laughs> amputate your own feet, and then you sew their feet onto your feet, and then you put their shoes on and then walk a mile. And that's empathy. Right. I don't know. That's my kind of take on it. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, no, I, and I always ask just because like, I love that everybody has their own perspective on it, you know, so um, that's, that's definitely a big factor uh, is that empathy and then being able to communicate is what yeah. I also heard in that, yep. right? Um, and I think, again, that's going to be a theme here in terms of uh, Asian parents, uh, <laughs> you know, and, and so like, this is, the, I mean, big reason why I went to this work for myself is also because of um, that lack of communication, that sort of lack of language around emotions and and about um you know the not only just developing the skill of empathy but also how to really connect with them um through communication and so uh them as in like not just asian parents but anybody uh and but in particular with asian parents it's something again that i think not many of us are taught or not many immigrant parents are taught so yeah what was I mean, yeah, I felt I think that was a common theme there in in the book too. But maybe maybe start about start with like what inspired you to write this book and and kind of like what was that process in in terms of like um to, to, uh, writing something like this. Um, I really I think inspiration comes from my dad. To be honest, um, he's the main character. I guess the main character, <laughs> if you call it. <laughs> the problem or the <laughs> in the entire book and um really 
he like becoming a mom inspired me to write this book as well as just talking to my friends um googling you know asian parents asian people who struggle to talk about their feelings uh joining really obscure reddit groups and <laughs> and being a, kind of like a lurker and reading other people's really raw and honest thoughts because raw like reddit is like the purest form of people's yeah messed up not messed up but like purest form of what they're thinking about because it is very anonymous and just be doing a deep dive of everyone's kind of complaints about their parents and the struggles that they have you know whether it's seeking their approval constantly or you know constantly being verbally abused or even physically abused or not having a relationship at all but also struggling to want a relationship but kind of like having this weird disappointment and guilt cycle cycle that i talk about in my book mm -hmm. you know like this guilt that you feel when you when you kind of like not done anything for them and you kind of just let them sit on the back burner and then you feel guilty for being a bad son or bad daughter because those family values are so ingrained in us throughout our childhood and then being disappointed when you actually put the effort into it and mm -hmm. you know and then not getting the response that you you were hoping to get from or any sort of validation or any 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 emotional validation or any kind of uh reassurance from them that they understand what you're talking about right <laughs> um so that i think like like so being a mom and then kind of reading what other people are writing writing about and complaining about and really wanting to talk about my journey with my dad and hope hoping that my stories of how i've improved my relationship with him can help others and that's what really inspired me is wanting other people to have a better relationship with their parents because it's so important like people they want to just put it aside not think about it but when things stir up whether it's you know this covid crisis you know, you're stuck in your 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 home with your parents or maybe you're you're you know just reflecting on life some some major life event happens and you start thinking about your past and your childhood and then you just start thinking about your parents so it's like it's kind of like i just want to really help people in that that area yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's beautiful because, you know, you know, there, there's so much in, you know, family dynamics and in this exchange of cultures that really does affect our mental and emotional health, you know, like um, something that if, if like, you know, if you have like a constant um, battle with you know there's a lot of things that really start affecting or taking a toll on on that um and so like speaking for myself that yeah. was you know something that came out in in a lot of ways where you know i you know maybe <laughs> i i have a feeling maybe my uh, parents might be listening to this so <laughs> <laughs> hi mom hi dad uh, but uh <laughs> no it, it, it's like definitely you know growing up there were lots of uh, lots of conflict and um again this is not me now blaming or complaining or anything it just really is that you know that lack of the the language and just both a generational and a cultural gap right yeah. being born in america different values um different circumstances whereas they gave up so much to get here, you know, coming from Asia, especially for both my mom and dad, they uh, escaped from, you know, communist countries and it's like a yeah. whole thing. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. So like, like how, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear more about that actually. <laughs> like that's, that's a, that's a story that needs to, I mean, obviously if you're comfortable with and your parents. 
yeah no totally um i i definitely have so much gratitude for what they um have done to to come here and actually that's a, another point too really attesting to that guilt that you were t- uh, talking about in terms of like you know our parents did do so much right and they like um you know one of that but they but they use that or at least a lot of parents would uh in terms of like you know we didn't come all the way to america just so you could <laughs> you yeah. know i don't know <laughs> try to be a movie star or something like that right or play on yeah. play video games or you know they'll use that kind of excuse and i think yeah I, I think that there's some validity in that where you know as um as you you get into a certain level of privileges and comforts that that then you don't really understand like the hard work and is required but anyway, so <laughs> back to back to like yeah, the their escape from the the communist countries. It was like uh, really, really traumatic. That I think you know many parents don't really know how to deal with, and yeah. and that then gets passed down to another or next generation, and 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 so anyway, yeah. So that comes out in me where you know, not feeling, at least I didn't feel the comfort to be able to express my emotions either. And, um, you know, now we've developed a, a great relationship where I can talk to both of them about things, but it, it definitely was a lot of, um, yeah, just a lot of conflict, a lot of yeah. distance, uh, a lot of misunderstanding, you know, a lot of yelling, um, and uh what made you persevere though like what would you like because you know when you when you've had the yelling match like what made you kind of go like i know i need to keep working on this it's a good question yeah and (laughs) um you know there there was definitely a understanding that their family they're the parents that so there was there was that you know obviously uh what's the word kind of ingrained i don't know if green's the right word but like, just the, like an that, expectation or, yeah, of, yeah kind of, of, I don't know. of respect for for them right so yeah. there was definitely that like desire to um to to build that relationship because you know and also think about it, like so a lot of actually you had like a set of questions in the book about like really tapping into your why like why do you want to even you know, work on this relationship with your parents. Like a lot of yeah. us could just ignore yeah. it and just like let go and, and maybe do, and maybe that is the, you know, a, a good path to go depending on your situation. But when, when I was asking myself that, um, I realized that, I realized that like, you know, I, hmm. Maybe I should have done a little more reflecting on this before. But, um, <laughs> oh, good. It's, uh, like, it's not an easy question. Like, yeah, it's, it's definitely not. not yeah, yeah. No, it's definitely not an easy question. Like, I even bounce back. Like, some days, I mean, when you have a bad day and then I, I meet up with my parents or something and then they say something that triggers me, like, it's something really silly. Like, I made kanji for dinner one night and that's all we ate. And my mom's like, well, that's all you're eating? Like, that's all you're making for your family? And then my dad's like, well, what are you putting in it? And I said, like, some things that are not traditionally Chinese, like I put yams in it. And then he's like, oh, that's like white people, Kanji. <laughs> and so like, even that, like, I was like, oh, I don't want to deal with them anymore. 
And yeah. that, you know, like just something like that, that they're just like invalidating who I am and what I'm about and like that I'm working super hard and I'm still providing food for my family. And yet they just dismiss it and criticize it to the degree. Yeah. And then, then, and then, so it makes me reflect on like, why am I still trying? Oh, right, right, right. You know, and then it's that why changes all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. <laughs> no, yeah. And I think, I think it, for me, it's this understanding that, you know, we're, we're in this for the long haul, right? And so if we're going to want to have a relationship, even when we're older, there has to be some give and take in, in some way. So, um, so yeah, I think that's a part of it. Because I, I, that telling your story there makes me think about, you know, similarly <laughs> with uh, my mom, where it's just, it's like, there, <laughs> there, there are many, I can't even really remember any specific examples, but it just seems to happen quite a bit where it's like, you know, she's set in her ways. She has things that she's familiar with and knows to do. Um, you know, actually cooking is a really good example. <laughs> you know, like when, whenever we, whenever I'm trying to cook something or the rare occasion that I, that she, she actually allows me to, um, she'll, you know, always criticize or do something like, no, you're supposed to do it this way, whatever. And it's like, why don't, why don't you just do it then mom? You know? So like, <laughs> you know, the, the, like sit back and let us like treat you, but she doesn't like, she, she loves exercising that type of control over yeah. it. Um, which I, I think that was something you wrote about too yeah. in the book, but uh, yeah. So Anyway, I think, so that's a really good, like, I like that you wrote this for just to really raise that awareness. Cause yeah, I remember when I started reading your blog too, that this was something that isn't really talked about enough, um, especially yeah. from the mental, emotional aspect, right? Like, and how to, how to really deal with that or, or sort of um, cope with that for ourselves. Yeah. Cause I think like what people um may want is like this ultimate solution to the issue and that's not at all what the book is about yeah <laughs> right like because you, you like reading you know the reddit communities and, t and hearing from my friends and my family who who are struggling in that relationship it's like there isn't really a kind of like a cookie cutter here's what you should do because <laughs> yeah. a lot of it's like self kind of self-reflection and self-improvement and because our parents like aren't really going to change um and you like that whole expectation that people will change for you that's just you know that's never going to happen right and so a lot of it is your own ability to to create those coping mechanisms to find situations like to be in those situations where you're trying to tolerate your parents and be able to be patient and move forward from whatever it is that you're 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 trying to struggling with like yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, and I really appreciate that too, right? Because we're, we we spend like I think especially maybe a, how your book is titled too, just how to deal with your aged parents. <laughs> it's like people are probably going to be looking for that answer um, to to exercise onto them, right? But yeah. the big big message here is really how can you use this as a point of reflection for yourself? Like how can yeah. you um, how can you you know learn or, or do what is going to be within your control to change yeah. um and and so what what maybe is 
So I know like you in the book, there's a, a few set of questions that you could do to reflect on and, and deal with it. But yeah, like what would, what would be something that you'd, you'd really like to communicate like that, you know, for, for someone who maybe, you know, is really, really on this path of like, I got like somehow changed with parents or anything. How, what would you, what would you tell them? <laughs> um, that they really want to change their parents and that's their parents' fault. Yeah. Who and, they are. And right. the relationship is totally there. They're at fault and I'm nothing, you know, I, I can't be blamed. I'm the victim here. Yes. And, and that they created so much damage on me that they need to be the ones that's held responsible. And okay. So like I could, I can totally see that if someone is in that, like that kind of mindset where it's kind of the blamey mindset, right? That everything happens to you. Like you're not in, at all in control of where you want to go. Um, that what I would say to them is that, no, you got to flip the way around. The relationship has two part parties, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and it's a two-way street with conversation. You can talk at them and you can say all these things and you can point the finger and blame them. But if, if like, if they don't respond and they're not doing what you want, to, what them to do or change or whatever, then what can you do? Um, and then if they're saying all this criticism against you and telling you what to do and doing all these things against you, like, what can you do? to help the situation so it's like I think taking that control and that power into your own hands and rather than thinking of that they're the ones who are responsible for all your problems in your life (laughs) that's kind of like a life thing that you should be doing anyway right right? if you have a like it's that I don't know I saw like recently on social media and it's one of those like mean like sarcastic little little thing that says someone wrote on a wall like I just want to complain and complain not do anything to make it better (laughs) (laughs) And, and like, fair enough, like they did, they, they are, I mean, parents, Asian parents, they have, there are like, it's definitely a struggle, right? Whether it's the criticism or the verbal abuse or the lack of emotional validation, um, or the, you know, constantly trying to tell you what to tell you what to do and give you advice and not actually listen and always think that they know what's best for you. Um, all of it, like being a parent myself. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to generalize all parents, but I know for myself and my own parents and is that they, they do have good intentions. Mm-hmm. And like, despite all the negativity around what they're saying, the emotions that you're so strong, the emotions that you feel when they do say those things, underneath it all, they just want what's good for you. Right. And they want, right. in their opinion, right? In their, their mind, in their context, um, you know, they think that everyone should, you know, <laughs> you should just become a doctor. Why don't you just become a doctor? That's the best thing, best thing. You know, because they just want you to be safe. They want you right. to be able to provide for yourself. They want you to, you know, make a living and just, you know, given their context of what they went through. And so I think it's like putting ourselves in their position really helps minimize the the stress when you do experience, you know, a, a yelling match or <laughs> yeah. when you feel just horrible around them. I think it's like, yeah, like that empathy piece really helps because then you, you understand where they're coming from yeah no totally yeah so it it, it sounds like having it sounds like starting from from developing that empathy for for them and kind of where they they're coming from and their circumstances um no and and I think that's that's a lot of what I learned as well is that there's there's this a, a bit of acceptance that 
has to happen. Yeah. You know, and this is this is not really turning the cheek or giving up or um or or whatnot, right? But it's acceptance towards the path of forgiveness is what I kind of thought of when I was reading this book too. And um it it's uh it's the acceptance that there is like behind all the struggle, the conflict or you know, the the miscommunication is this common love for wanting you to be safe, wanting you to be um, taken care of and secure and, and maybe in a way not have what they didn't, um, you know, growing up. And and I think so, so having that sort of acceptance or an awareness that, you know, they're, they're trying their best, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, so for me, yeah, that was, that was, that was definitely hard to, to come to terms with, you know, as, as we all go through that teen angst and, <laughs> um, and so, but, but it really, it, but I think it's so important to have that acceptance because then there's that forgiveness that you also can then, you know, start to actually I like what you put down is like really participate in life and not just be constrained by these emotions anymore yeah no absolutely because it's like if you hold on I think I I don't know how it came up this but like if you hold on to your don't hold on to your past like there's no tomorrow you know like your past is the past what's happened is you know like what's done has been done like classic Shakespeare right and but what are you going to do about it right and whether it's becoming a better, better peer, a better mentor, a better coach, you know, starting up human up, like, like, like whatever you want to do, you, you want to ch- take what you, what you've learned in the past and be able to apply it so that future generations and the people that are following you or the, your children or whoever um, can benefit from it. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm really trying to do is, is, you know, because I'm a mom and because I have a role in these two little people's lives and influencing them, um, I can take the little grains of, of, you know, the good things that have happened in my past um, and teach those things. But as well, at the same time, like reflect on my childhood and the things that I didn't like, like getting compared, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, getting the beating sick stick, you know, like, oh, you know, threatened with the, the feather duster. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Like to encourage not to cry. Like, don't cry. Why are you crying? You know, right. like, don't need to cry. <laughs> um, those are things, you know, I don't want to carry on. And, 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 and I know why they're not right and it doesn't align with me even though it's part of my childhood and I, I battle with those things every yeah. day like like she'll fall down and the first words that will come out of my mouth is like moham which is don't cry but yeah. but it's like no correct yourself do something else say are you okay you know so it's, i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah no I, and so i guess i'm it it gets into the curiosity around like now now how do how do we move forward like how what what things do we do take in that are are actually helpful as you know from an Asian parent perspective right I think there is this this um common thing or uh, I don't know what it, how to describe it but it's like sometimes sometimes we do as as Asians ourselves we do look at other right races or ethnicities and definitely judge <laughs> you yeah. know how they're how oh, they're yeah. parenting too right so um <laughs> So I, I totally get that. So like, how do we move forward though and, and take the best parts of it and kind of leave behind the ones that, that maybe doesn't work? I think it's, I don't know. I mean, I think it's our own 
increasing our own self-awareness and reflecting on those memories. I mean, as some of them may be traumatic, like I just last week recently did um, filmed myself talking about my past eating disorder and how it's affected me, like affects me as a mom to this day. You know, like eating disorders are, you're in a constant, a continuous recovery. There's just never, there's no end to, you know, a poor relationship with food. And how does that affect me as a mom? It's, an, it's a constant like weekly or daily battle for me, like meal battle actually. And so how do we move forward? It's, it's thinking about those, those memories and saying to yourself, well, what can I do about it? And what am I gonna try to, what, what am I gonna strive for? And being realistic um, in meeting those, trying to meet um, that kind of expectation for yourself, but mm-hmm. not being too hard on yourself if you don't meet them, you know what I mean? Right. It's because it's it's really hard to break a cycle, right? Like if you're 18 or 20 years of your life, you've been taught a certain way, you know, whether it's <clears throat> comparing yourself to another person or, um, you know, holding back tears. <laughs> right. It's really hard to like start to go like, oh no, actually now I'm going to cry. Yeah. Now I'm not going to compare myself to totally. the next Instagram influencer or whatever. Yeah. It's not, yeah, it's not an instant <laughs> shift. No, no right? Because if you, you're, it's ingrained, it's like part of your your psyche that, then you have to be aware of that and you have to be aware of the way your your mindset is and the way you're you're teaching the people that 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 you're around yeah <clears throat> it's not easy <laughs> yeah and i totally and so you know i'm not i don't have kids myself but you know i think that is definitely going to be a constant thing that i'm i'm aware of and probably going to struggle through in terms of like balancing you know, what, what American values I want to bring in versus what Asian values I want to bring in um, and, and how to really communicate that. So how, how have you been dealing with that? <laughs> as, as oh. a, yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. You want to talk about? <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot, especially as my, my, my daughter is getting older and she's getting more, you know, being her own little person and setting rules and, and asking, demanding things for me. Um, it's really hard to not repeat the, the myth, like repeat things yeah. <laughs> that you're, you were taught. Right. Um, but there are also things that I, I really value um, in my childhood that I want to preserve, like, you know, that the family values, the having dinner together, um, you know, leaning on one another during hard times. Um, Food, you know, <laughs> huge part of our uh, part of like my culture yes. and a lot of Asian cultures, um, and the tradition of of cooking together and eating together and sharing a meal is those are like ingrained in who I am, and it's also reinvigorated my love for food and cooking. Um, <clears throat> and other things like you know, uh, extracurricular activities. It's so stereotypical <laughs> in Asian families that like the kids not just go doesn't just go to school, but they're also like a crazy flute player or a violin mm-hmm. player or like a you know like a golf golf expert or you know like all these things and so and but I think that's actually really important because I, I actually that's something that I want to preserve is to allow my kids to try different activities but in the way that that like kind of mixing in I guess the Canadian or I guess for you guys American values of letting your kid try things but not like be super tiger mom about it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like I must practice piano like every day now (laughs) but not but rather okay well what do you like about it what do you do you love piano do you enjoy it are you enjoying your lessons and 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 kind of pushing enough so that they develop the grit but pulling back enough so that you're not like overbearing and controlling and and making them 
forcing them to do something they don't like. Yeah. So it's it's like a, I I think it's really hard. Um, as these as like I'm a millennial, like as millennials become parents and they start thinking about their past or their childhood, or they even like if if you're not a parent, like maybe just reflecting on your childhood and how you want to like if you're a leader or a manager or in your in in your workspace, like how do you want to lead? Because right. um, I think I think that also affects the way you are in the workplace. Um, like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no. I, I was just gonna comment on. Do you want to finish your thought? Or no, no, no. I, I heard you about to say something about the workplace. <laughs> yeah. That that because that definitely brings up a really great connection there, where you know a lot of um a lot of what you see in your family is is comes out in your workplace and your leadership style as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Sorry. Waiting. Waiting for the motorcycle to go by <laughs> i need to i need to get my own studio soundproof studio and it's gonna be great but no yeah so yeah there's a lot of familial aspects that affect your leadership styles and mm-hmm. um i definitely saw that come out in 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 my workplace where this you know this ingrained um value in respecting authority in no, it's all good. Uh, yeah. in respecting authority and you know keeping your head down, kind of keeping humble and right and that that um, yeah that that leaves especially in Western culture it doesn't really translate very well in the workplace. Yeah. You know where then you're this this quiet, shy kind of pushover, and and it's really hard to start developing that assertiveness and leadership within the workplace if that's what that if that's all that you're familiar with in your family, you know, mm-hmm. is to, is to just listen. Yeah. Um, Put your head down, work like a horse, go home. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. It, right. right? And, and this is exactly the type of um, struggle though, <laughs> that I think Asian Americans or Canadians like deal with is like, how do you balance that, that, you know, in between, yeah, you do want to be that, you know, strong working you know, person and, and not cause too much of conflict, not, you know, be too boisterous or whatever, but also yeah. be assertive and be expressive and, you know, really communicate the opinions that you can truly stand behind. So it's like, yeah, I think that's a constant battle that I'm I'm definitely learning through. Um, and maybe I still struggle with in terms of like, I left the corporate world a, a couple of years ago now. So but um it was it was uh yeah that was that was the thing that was hard for me to really exercise to yeah. you know develop that leadership like i totally resonate what you're saying like the what the way we were raised really affects how we are in the workplace like it's um like since i've come up with a came out with a book like one of the things i have to do is sell it and <laughs> yeah and selling involves talking about yourself and saying i'm great i'm great i'm great buy my book and if you're conditioned when you grew up where yeah. you have to be very humble, and I don't know if it's an Asian female, I think it's Asian men and women. Like I got someone saying to me, it's not just women, okay, it's men too. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. <laughs> but I think it's definitely <laughs> a lot stronger for women though, because of, yeah, it, you know, especially there's a, a, a little bit more of a, you know, especially in Asian culture that the man does have to, you know, be that the stronger one, whereas the women are just definitely the, we're a little, we have to be humble. We have yeah, to when, yeah. when someone like I talk about, I, think, I was thinking about complimenting, right? And I think 
when I was like starting to tell people, oh, buy my book because I'm so great, right? <laughs> um, it was really hard for me because growing up, any sort of compliments you get, you're supposed to say, no, I'm, I'm not that great. You mm -hmm. have to downplay your success. You have to say, you have to be humble bragging kind of almost if you want to talk about your success. If you're any confident boisterous, sorry, <laughs> um, then you're going to be perceived as like this arrogant bitch, right? Yeah. And so, so it's like, it's, it, and I think that also when you go into the workforce and you, and in this Western culture where you have to talk about yourself and you have to like kind of say you're, you're good and you're confident and you really owning your success and the projects and take credit for everything. Um, it's hard, especially if you've been conditioned to say, no, 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 it was everyone's team effort. Mm -hmm. Um, no, I'm not that great. Oh, I, you know, like, like the classic example of my mom, like my mom was a, like, she was a wonderful mother. She's, I, 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 she did the best that she could and she did a really good job given her, her circumstances. Um, she's one of the most, most emotionally intelligent person I know, actually. <laughs> um, lucky for me. Um, but she would often, like, despite her, her high levels of emotion and intelligence, when people would compliment her and say, oh, you're such a good mom, your, your daughters are, are doing so well and they love you and blah, blah, blah. She's like, no, no, no. Like, oh, you know, they're, they're just, they're doing well because of them. And, and like, and growing up with that condition, it's like, every time someone says, oh, you're doing a great job, you've written a book. I mean, I'm, I'm just like, no, no, no. Like right. this was, and, and it's hard because then you bring that to your workforce and some, and you're, you're, maybe you're leading a project and you're talking about it and people are, are, are asking you like, oh, so how did it go? Like what, what made you the success? You're going to be like, oh, it's other people. Or, right. You, you almost want to like hunker down and say like, oh no, it's, it's not me. It's yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think that's, that's huge. And I think that could, you know, I, I feel like there's probably lots of even just like in-depth papers studying all of that kind of uh, that, the cause and effect there, but um, it, it totally is true. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, uh what what can what are what is the what's the bright side of you know bringing these asian values into the western force you know i think there is that i think we're in a unique position because of that you know we get this mix now of both the kind of eastern more collective kind of thought that like oh it's not just me like i'm not the center of the universe like i get yeah. people to help me as well and then um but then with the western thought of like being individual being like confident in yourself being you know one that does uh, take on the responsibility to put things into action and stuff right so um so it it's this interesting thing that now we get this privilege to be that middle ground um yeah and and I guess it makes me think about like, how can we best incorporate that now? Or like, how can we just, you know, in many examples, but just for this in the workforce of, of um, you know, bringing that into the the workforce so that it's not just so focused on like, just the extroverts, the, the loudest people in the room that mm -hmm. gets things done, you know, or that gets listened to. Like, how can we, I don't know how, I don't, this wasn't really in the book, but like, how can we, <laughs> I'm just curious now that we're talking about it. Uh, like, how can we like, how can we still incorporate our Asian values, but, yeah. but, you know, influence in a way, not, I don't know if influence is the right word, but just at least like teach the Western world about Eastern way. I know. I, 
I don't know. I think that's a book you need to write. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I, I have no idea. I mean, that it. I mean, there's definitely the benefits of that Eastern thinking of being more humble, yeah. and you know that not everything, you know that that they're giving credit to other people as well, and that, that a lot of times it is a team effort and recognizing all how all the little cogs in the in the system or in the wheel contributed to right. a success. Um, and I think that's very important. I think it's it's about humbling down and really understanding everyone's strengths and appreciating that that I think I think our Eastern values are more aligned with rather than this I'm not gonna say Western because like I don't know, there's people who are Western might be like, oh no, I'm not like that. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> this value yeah. of like I did everything, I'm the amazing person, give credit to me. Yeah. Um and sometimes we need to do that though, but there's right. sometimes it's it's you know, we need to also recognize everyone's efforts in the the success or whatever it is i guess i guess maybe like how how does that apply then to a family situation maybe that's something uh. you could speak to more right like how can we how can we now bring in these american values for our asian family yeah. or then our asian family to how we can raise our children as americans yeah. or canadians like i don't know i mean i don't know i guess it really depends on the, the, the situation like i think you know, when, if you're, if your kid does really well in, I don't know, like a spelling bee contest or like, you know, played really well on like her soccer game or her, or his basketball game or whatever that, you know, individually it's really important to validate their, their success. Mm -hmm. Cause that's something that we didn't get. Right. I, for me, when, when I did really well in piano competition, it wasn't like, Oh my God, you're amazing. Good job, Catherine. Like, yeah. it's just kind of like, Oh, well. <laughs> very good for you well, right well actually and, and i wanted to throw out a comment because no I, it's totally i uh i but i wanted to throw in a comment too where i do see the value on the asian side of things where it's like you don't just get a participation trophy you yes, know that's true. For, right so it's like the the opposite end there but yep. anyway, and you also so, don't want to like the coddling too right i think coddling yeah. is more like an western thing where you're you're like oh my god like you're gonna you don't want your kid to fail whereas like yeah. i know for me asian parents like well just you're failed. You're a failure. <laughs> you know? Like it's a little more harsh, and you—that's how you develop your grit yeah. because they push you, yep. and you know where you came from, and that that you know they struggled a lot, and so you want to work hard, and right. you want to be a workhorse, and you want to like you know get results because of that 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 grit that you've developed as a kid, where they, you know, said they haven't sugarcoated things. Yeah, like when you exactly. were a failure, they said it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think what we're coming down to is like, we're just in a unique position that we, you know, can, we, we do have that. We, we do have options now, right. To be yeah. able to like, what do we want to instill for the next generation? Um, or how do we want to, you know, show up in the workplace or, or what, how do we want to show up for ourselves in our own life? Like, how can we, yeah. really improve that self-awareness for ourselves. I think um, I was watching this video uh, about like, do all Asian women think the same? Uh, by, I think, yeah, Jubilee Media, they do this, like, they do lots of cool videos where um, they, they will have people from all walks of life, but within a certain demographic to then like um, ask really deep questions. And one of them was like, do you, I can't remember how exactly they worded it. Do you want to be a tiger mom or something like that? Like, do you yeah. value being a tiger mom? And that was, it was so diverse. Like there were so many people who was like, yes, because I do value a lot of what comes from that, you know, the, 
the sometimes it is harsh but if they're um the, the specific uh girl who was talking about like i i love myself still like i love who i am and i think there's still value in that whereas others were like there was so much pressure to be a certain way or to like perform all the time and there was no space to be open or or um you know comfortable in in just uh being myself and so i think i think what it just comes down to is really that self-awareness like you mentioned and and really like how how do you want to um what what what's the best parts you want to bring in to your life and your family without casting any sort of judgment on it like just because now i think a lot of us hear about tiger moms or or helicopter dads or whatever that that like we totally want to rebel completely against it but maybe there is some value in it right um which I think actually that's another thing you mentioned too, is like, it, you know, we're not just here to rebel just for the sake of rebelling. You know, you, you do have to take a look at what you're rebelling against and whether or not that really is misaligned with what you value. Yeah. Definitely. Cause like that rebelling piece is, you know, some people may just make a decision out of spite. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just despite the parents, like my parents are telling me I need to live in San Francisco, but I'm yeah. not going to live there because of them like but yet maybe your entire career should be based in san francisco so you're just rebelling for the sake of rebelling that actually adds adds no benefit to who you are as a person yeah and it's like taking that self-reflection journey to understand who you are and being aligned and true to yourself rather than the external forces the external parents that have this idea of what you should be and rebelling against that because they may know something that you may not know as well Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah i don't know (laughs) Exactly. I I think it's super important to just be aware of that because I also heard like before someone else mentioned that they they were um, that like growing up their their parents was telling them to be that doctor right to Mm -hmm. just go down that path and so all throughout high school and college they rebelled against that (laughs) but what ended up happening was he still applied for medical school anyway got in became a doctor and loves it yeah <laughs> and so it's like <laughs> what you know like yeah so 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 sometimes we'll do so much just to rebel against something for the sake of it but then miss out on the fact that like maybe we are actually going to really enjoy it or maybe that it's something that really aligns with our ourselves and our values so i think it's really important to keep in mind yeah and it's also about our culture too i think and i i know for myself like growing up in in vancouver it's there was like a lot of wanting to be white right wanting to be looking a certain way you know listening to a certain music and just trying to fit in and then when you're trying when you've rejected your culture a lot of your life you also kind of associate your parents with that culture (laughs) and so like but I don't think anyone should reject their own culture I think it's about learning and being open to who you are and where your roots are and what your background is um and appreciating that rather than you know trying to be something that you're not Mm -hmm. i don't Mm -hmm. know i love it um (laughs) so definitely go check out Catherine's book uh how to deal with asian parents you can find it on amazon right yes you can have it on amazon yes Um, yes pretty cool (laughs) um it's an ebook and a paperback for the people who like paper yeah (laughs) 
uh, it has really good set of questions for you to ask about yourself and maybe like even how to start the conversation with your parents as well, how to really find ways to um, find opportunities for growth, which is, it's, um, it's really, really important. So definitely go check that out. I, I like to end my episodes with a quick segment here where okay. it ends up taking a lot longer than a f- rapid fire sort of thing, but I like to ask about. I'll try. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Um, we we still have some time, so um, to kind of share your experiences with the five core emotions. So, have you seen the movie Inside Out? Oh my God, yes, but long yeah. time ago. Yeah, yeah. No, pregnant, it's okay. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh, the Pixar movie with the five. <laughs> emotions uh inside the the little girl so um it is joy sadness disgust fear and anger um and we'll just go over like a quick either story about your emotion with them or maybe an experience that you have or you can even take it high level and like what you think about it in terms of a worldly kind of aspect so okay um yeah, you can take it either as personal or as high level as you want. Um, and we can start with anger. Oh, my God. Okay, anger. Um, <laughs> um, I think managing our anger is a, is a tough thing for a lot of people to do, especially in marriage. I, um, I, I wrote a big thing on how to manage your anger when you're fighting with your spouse. Hmm. And um, I... Anger is one of the first emotions I always feel when I am, when, when you peel back the layers of what anger really is, like for me, is often just misunderstanding, frustration, um, feeling not heard, um, invalidated. Um, so, like, <laughs> so, um, and a lot of it, if we reflect back on what, like, when you do fight with someone, anger often comes out in ways that you don't really want it to Mm -hmm. and it could come out as words that aren't really meant to be said um and actions and things that we do that we don't really mean and so um anger is a tough one um and i think a lot of people like myself sometimes hold in anger rather than express it. And when the time comes, the anger anger has bottled up so much that we explode in ways that we don't necessarily intend to. Um, one last piece of advice yeah. <laughs> about anger. Um, you can go to bed angry with your spouse. Mm. Is this, there's this misconception about anger um, that you need to have everything all neat and tied up in a bow and pretty and fairy tale before you go to bed with your spouse. But you, you can be angry and go to bed because it's sometimes in the, in the middle of the night and you've been fighting and tears have been coming out of your face and you're puffball. Um, you just need that time to sleep and have your brain kind of process everything so that you wake up in the morning refreshed and have an actual decent civilized conversation with yourself. I appreciate that actually because I definitely have absorbed a lot of that, you know, not wanting to go to bed angry because I think there's that, that that feeling that maybe things will fester, I think, if you, you know, go to go to sleep without having addressed it. But it makes sense that this is an opportunity to recharge. Yeah. Um, how about uh, disgust? Oh, disgust. 
oh man let's just talk about all the racism that's going on with this whole covid thing i'm disgusted mm-hmm. i'm just completely disgusted by the hatred and this misunderstanding of how society how society has responded to um to this pandemic i think that's the feeling i'm feeling um i've experienced racism myself which gives me a sense of disgust um mm. you know whether it's making fun people making fun of what you bring to school that's like that's not super crazy but you know uh the most recent negative not a recent a comment that always you know when you become a public blogger or a podcaster you get comments right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're the good and the bad and the ugly right and one of them that sticks to me was i wrote something in of post and someone commented about when is she going to write about the prime rib that she used her laundered money to buy (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i'm because in the article i was talking about being chinese and blah 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 and and it just gave me a sense of disgust but i need to talk about it because these are things that that happen so that's my feeling of disgust (laughs) yeah thanks for sharing that i think it's just sometimes just fascinating really is is what i respond to that with it's like where like how is that related to me at all i don't yeah yeah um <laughs> so how about uh sadness um oh sadness um i recently talked um i was thinking about blogging and i so anyway, long story short i watched this movie called the choice and it's on Netflix as a romantic comedy, like based on the book by Nicholas Sparks. <laughs> so it's a very frilly thing. Um, but in the middle of the movie, the, the male character reveals that his mom died when he was 14 years old. And at that moment, I felt really sad because I have a son and I started thinking of my own life. And then I started thinking about all these other movies where the mom dies. <laughs> <laughs> and so I got really upset and sad about not being there for my son and my daughter mm. like when they're when and it's not the right time um and with sadness i like i take time to process those feelings with any feeling but that's strong i i really try to feel it and i really felt i paused the movie and i like almost got like kind of emotional thinking about because i was holding him at the same time and then i thought about my blogging career and about this idea that i'm being authentic in the space that i am am in and the platform that i'm in and everything i write and 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 can, can create is authentic to me so i'm also almost kind of creating a backup version of me mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and so and in some ways like this little grain of comfort came in and i didn't i felt a little less sad about dying early mm. interesting yeah that like you know if if unfortunately that happens right i'd be really sad but knowing everything that i've left it's a bit of a legacy for them to know who i am yeah it's like this bittersweet feeling that's that's super interesting that that's like i've been i've been definitely thinking a lot about life and death recently too and um there's something about a a sad piece to it you know a sad peacefulness but um, no, and that's an interesting comment too. That like, yeah, being on the internet, it 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 really is like <laughs> a different um, version or different different extension of yourself. Yeah, which is, that's a whole thing too. Man, podcast number two, maybe. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, where you can, yeah, yeah. Like that, I don't know if you watch. <laughs> oh, I love Black Mirror. Yeah, yeah, Black Mirror. Yeah, like that episode it's, where the the guy dies and then they basically recreate him. Yeah, and that that's probably possible. 
probably that's yeah. gonna be a weird world for sure um okay fear oh man so many fears fears of what other people think of me one of my most common like my like i still have this i have anxiety and there'll be moments nights everyone's asleep the kids are asleep my husband's asleep and i'll wake up at like 2 a.m 3 a.m in the morning and i'm just like thinking about what other people think of me mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a fear um because if we're enter i've entered this like kind of public blogging blogging space where my face is you know videos and, and my voice and my writing and my deepest innermost thoughts my vulnerable moments are captured on this medium it's a huge fear of mine right i think that it's like when you walk by <clears throat> i always think of it so then i started going into this correct your, your correct your mindset don't be scared don't be scared don't be scared <laughs> you know <laughs> often but the, the root cause of our fear is uncertainty and not knowing uh what's behind that door yeah and so i was thinking about that and i was saying to myself well you know when you go to a mall i mean not now but you know when you do because <laughs> um, of this covid thing but when you do go to a mall and you walk by you know go, go, go into a clothing store and you walk by a mirror who do you look at we often look at ourselves yeah and that's what everyone else is doing. So if I am scared of what other people think, most likely they're just looking at themselves in the mirror as well. So why not be authentic and inspire someone else to look away and be, you know, true to themselves, inspire someone else to be authentic. Yeah. I really appreciate those words. Um, I think it makes me think about too that like a lot of times, even with if you think about it from your your own perspective, the judgments that you have on someone else is definitely a reflection of yourself too yes right like it's a judgment that maybe there is something which is going to be really uncomfortable and you know scary to admit or accept but a lot of times it can be turned back on to you and in the sense that like there's there's a reason why you're judging them about it um and and so yeah coming from the other perspective then of handling the fear of judgment is that most of the time, the things you're being judged about is probably, again, a reflection on them. And I like that mirror analogy. Like People are just looking at themselves anyway. Like, yeah, yeah. They don't really actually care about you. <laughs> like, yeah. But when we look at the mirror, we're like, oh, my God, our, our clothes are like blah, 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 or yeah. hair, or our shoes aren't like, you know, that's what we worry about. But everyone else is doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um <laughs> Oh, and then I actually just wanted to add one more thing there too, where in terms of like being on the online space, yeah, like I really resonate with obviously putting out our own work that is our like baby, right? It's like what we put into and um, what's helping me is to realize that that's just one piece of it, you know, like that's only going to be one book, one podcast, one talk or whatever. Um. And it's not your whole identity, you know? No. So. It's like aim for completion rather than perfection. Mm-hmm. You know? Just yeah. get that thing, you know, we can, you know, Google and, and, and research the best way to do one thing and then, and then spend all our time figuring out and perfecting that one thing. But to actually pump it out and publish and hit that post button, yep. that's what's going to make you go places in the world. Right. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um <laughs> <laughs> lastly, joy. Oh, joy. 
joy. I'm, I'm, I'm having a blast doing this right now. Like, it's fun. <laughs> like it's just, you know, chatting about things that were on the same wavelength about you're inspiring me to think about things that I'd never thought about. Um, and it's just giving me a lot of joy. Like my husband's watching my son right now and I'm really grateful and joyful that he's, he's here to do that for me. Um, and, and the simple joys in life are what really matters. Um, like one of the things I really find a lot of joy in, which is the weirdest thing for a lot of people is the sound of my dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, what the, what the F, right? Like after, what? after many years of our family not using <laughs> the dishwasher. <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly entire lifetime of not using the dishwasher to use it, but there's like a bigger thing to it, right? Like I think about the dishes and I think about the food that was on there and the ingredients that were, that were put together and the love mm. that I put into the food, into the meals that I feed my family, the entire journey to get those dishes to be placed into the dishwasher. Another thing mm. is my husband is the one that loads the dishwasher. So that's, that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think about that and I think about the entire process of how those dishes got there to the point where the button got pressed. Right. And that gives me joy. And it's the little things in life if you don't see them and you don't catch them, that's when you get in, you fall into a state of, of despair and, and depression. Yeah. I don't know how to turn those notifications off. Sorry. That's okay. I, I don't actually hear any of it. Oh, so. you don't? Okay, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I can hear it, but you, I'm, I'm so glad. <laughs> that gives me joy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> when technology actually works. Um, yeah. uh, no, and I, I really appreciate that is the it's something I never really would have thought about. Yeah. Like, and I appreciate that you actually do think about the whole, you know, path that something has that, that there's everything, there's a story to it, you know? Um, And so, yeah, definitely finding the joy within those little moments is super important in just maintaining our mental and emotional health in general, right? Because we get so attached to, the negative sides of things, the yeah. negative thoughts, the negative emotions, and it consumes us. So you have to really be intentional about remembering the, the joyful ones. Absolutely. <laughs> well, thank you for yeah. coming on to the podcast. This was a lot of fun for me too. I'm glad it was for you. And um, yeah, maybe we'll have to bring you back on for the yeah. next book or, <laughs> you know, absolutely next next stories that come about um i yeah i think i think a lot of people will get a lot of value out of out of our conversation as well as the the book that you wrote too so thanks for thanks for doing what you do oh thank you so much for doing what you do and i really appreciate um this the hour that we had it's been amazing um a lot of insights and a lot of like just collective thoughts that i feel that we have and it's it's just nice to also hear from a male perspective. And I think that's mm-hmm. really, that's really important. And I think you really bring a face of, of courage for a lot of Asian men, and especially now that I have a son, it's, it's really reassuring and gives me a lot of hope for his future. Thank you for saying that. I <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> um, I will catch you next time. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. uh, take care. Stay safe. See ya. Thank you for listening to the human up podcast with my guest, Catherine Chan. I really hope this conversation was worthwhile for you over the last hour. I would really love to hear what you took out of it. If there are any insights that you drew for yourself or, you know, something that you might take away, please uh, comment and join the conversation on my Instagram, Human Up Podcast. And 
share the episode with somebody who you'd love to also have a conversation with. And please do go check out Catherine's book, How to Deal with Asian Parents, on Amazon. She does a really good job in describing stories and situations that really show a good example of what gets in the way of, you know, parents getting to know their their kids, uh, especially if there's a big cultural gap. And there are a lot of good reflective questions in there for anyone to um, just understand more about themselves as a person and as a son or daughter or as a future parent. And if you got value out of this episode and of this podcast, I would really appreciate your donations. If you are willing and able, please consider donating at PayPal by going to bit.ly slash human up podcast donation that would really help me i'll set some fees to keep this podcast going so with that again i would love to hear from you and the conversations that you might have started or um the stories you might have that you can relate to this definitely don't be shy and reach out regardless i will catch you next month